Hi, and welcome to Third Waves. Third is a platform that amplifies underrepresented voices through print, events, and on the airwaves. On the show, we interrogate the intersections of culture and activism, bringing you interviews and discussions with guests who have knowledge and lived experience to share. I am Tribe, DJ, radio host, and music editor at Third. I am Daniela. I'm a writer, musician, and producer at Third. And I'm Rona, stylist, creative director, and founder of Third. It's the beginning of the year, but what a weird beginning. Many places in the world are still in some type of lockdown due to the pandemic. And so while it would normally be a time to start actioning New Year's resolutions and making plans for the next 12 months, we wondered how we should approach this differently this time around. On this episode, we'll be talking about building healthy habits in a time of uncertainty. On the show today, you will hear from our guests, Rosemary Ikpeme. Rosemary is the creator and founder of MindMap, which designs and creates products that are full of techniques and productivity tools to help you build positive and healthy habits. After almost 10 years working in the media and broadcast industry for global corporations, Rosemary decided to jump ship and start her own business, MindMap, three years ago. Rosemary's mission is to help people make their mental, emotional health and well-being a priority whilst achieving big dreams and success. Also on this episode is our guest, Andy Osho. Andy is an accomplished writer, actress, filmmaker and stand-up comedian who has appeared on a number of popular TV comedy shows such as Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo. We will be speaking with Andy about her debut novel, Asking for a Friend, and the good habits that she relies on in her creative pursuits. So Happy New Year. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one. doesn't really feel like 2020 has really finished in many respects. Some of the same things are still lingering. And I don't know if you guys are are big on making New Year's resolutions. Um, But yeah, are you? Do you guys make New Year's resolutions? Yeah, every year I would normally do a, I guess, a big sheet of all the things that I kind of want to focus on. Let's say personal development, career, achievements and things like that. Things that I want to do. Uh, and it's weird because <laughs> this year I didn't do it. And it's probably the first time in years that I haven't done it. This year it seems to be in such flux and there are still things that I want to achieve and do for myself. Um, but I also embrace the uncertainty and upheaval that this year will bring and can bring. I think the levels of uncertainty has made it quite hard in terms of approaching this whole idea of like newness and fresh starts. I think the new year is a great time for people to interrogate their like routines and their habits. A lot of the things that would usually be like a crutch to you to doing this, you can't do, right? So people are like, okay, new year, I want to get fit. Let me join the, the gym. That's not an option for you anymore. So you know, we're spending a lot more time in our homes. To have an overarching plan for the year with quite 
non-ideal circumstances in in place, I guess, has made it quite hard. Yeah, um, same as um, what Tribe was saying about like this whole this big sheet of paper with like different sections and things to do on it. I also um, do that sometimes, and I remember doing one last year instead of at, like at the beginning of the year, but sometime in the middle, like around May or something. And it just felt so strange because normally there would be a section which is about like the trips I want to take or like that kind of stuff. And in this really uncertain times, it's hard to say it's hard to plan for those things and and it almost feels a bit sad to put it on paper because you know it probably won't come true and so having to re-examine that I think I definitely look more into habits like maybe I can do yoga more often um or I will bake bread more often that all sounds very cliched but I feel like there was definitely a shift towards that in my in my thinking. I'm a big believer in this whole idea of I would say like balance so like not just making everything about work, you know. But I think because in our day-to-day lives, like a lot of what we are doing is like working from home and everything seems to be happening from this one space home or in front of this one place, which is a computer. It can be quite hard to keep motivated. I think that's maybe one of the challenges that people are experiencing. Um, I can't help but think back on... a couple of our previous episodes of this show, one where we talk about um, self-reflection and self-care. And because I remember in that episode, we talked about the things that we would do during the week to, you know, think about, yeah, self-reflection and and how that could help us in our day-to-day and achieving our goals, let's say. And as well as in that episode about love and relationships, um, Rona, you spoke a lot about self-love and giving, like, taking time to make sure that you're good because that's the basis and starting point of everything else, really. And and I feel like one thing that this sort of new year and this kind of situation, the continued situation, gives us is a forced moment to stand stand still almost. And one of the few routines that we could potentially like work more on or try to build habits around is around self-care and mindfulness. Yeah, it's, it's a topic that's been hot for a while. You know, people talk about this quite a lot, but I feel like more than ever, now is a really good time to really examine what it means and how to apply it in your day-to-day life. Uh, I agree. And it's weird because I feel like the world has slowed down and it's an opportunity to slow your mind down as well and reflect on some of the, I guess, some of the things that we've picked up, like the habits that we've picked up, the things we take for granted, and just kind of being aware of those emotions that come up during this time as well. Let's unpack some of the things that um, I've kind of put aside or kind of suppress it or, you know, whatever thoughts you've been kind of like chucking out the window and just thinking I'm going to deal with it later. And also recognising some of the habits that you might have picked up, even the ones that you're doing right now, as a coping mechanism to the situation, to COVID and the situation right now. Yeah, I think when we talk about mindfulness, though, it's really important because I feel like sometimes we say these things like mindfulness, self-care, and it's a tiny bit buzzwordy. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that mindfulness looks different for different people. So for me personally, if I think about like one of the things that I feel like brings mindfulness into my life on a sort of day-to-day experience I would say that in the evenings I've come into the habit of like lighting myself a candle and also I have this incense stick which I have 
Um, I sometimes just burn that and I enjoy the smell and I enjoy the light coming from the candle and it's just quite a cosy atmosphere to be in. But obviously, you know, for someone else, mindfulness might be like, I guess um, the one which is often referred to as like meditation, right? Um, But for me, like meditation is one of those things that I'm still in a battle with. The way I like to approach mindfulness now is like the things that, I don't know, help me to like decompress. It's really important to also acknowledge the things like which are more about self-care for you in your day to day. Yeah, I think that there's a difference though, because mindfulness, from what I understand, is about being aware of your thoughts and um, and taking that moment to not necessarily because there's different ways to do that. So and then also bringing yourself back to yourself and your presence. So there's different ways to do that, and I agree with you that that could be lighting a candle, that could be going for a walk, whatever brings you back to yourself or make you aware of um, maybe some of the thoughts you have and the processes and the circular thinking. What about you, Daniel? I promise I'm not going to go off a tangent. There's, there is a point to this, what, what I'm going to say. Just to borrow a thing from mental health, you know that there is this like almost cliched image of paranoid schizophrenics having these delusions about aliens trying to steal their thoughts or that the government is listening to their thoughts over the years, the actual content of that delusion changes depending on the zeitgeist of what the society overall has a fear of. So it's really like linked with the, the sort of dominant conspiracy theories that's happening in culture. And as we talk about this stuff, I just can't help but feel like we're we're kind of talking about building habits, right? Like what is a positive habit? And we keep coming back to this topic of self-care and unwinding and how to take care of ourselves. And I mean, a habit can be anything. A habit can be making a drawing every day or practicing the piano or, you know, it can, a habit is anything. The positive habits, like you say, Rona, it's different for different people, but we keep coming back to this point of self-care. And I just feel like it's that in itself is so interesting because this year has been so heavy in in so many ways and there is this pervading sense of anxiety and the things that are everyone's just stressed and so we are really focusing on habits we like it's almost like we all three of us or like generally people when they talk about habits they are unconsciously drifting towards okay how can we encourage each other to build up habits that help soothe that that help each other feel better in this kind of time Mm, mm. yeah so I really liked um, to hear about what you said, Rona, about lighting a candle and, and, and everything. And I think that's that's so critical, like the thing of keeping in mind that somebody else's self-care habit routine is not necessarily right for you. You should take, take some time to explore what it is for you. Um, I've recently discovered having a bath um, and... It's it's it take I feel like it takes time to set it up and everything. But you know, if you have a magazine with you that you don't mind like getting wet and you can just read it and you know soak away, and then like come out really re- relaxed and go to bed feeling really warm and relaxed. It's just yeah that that's that's a new new habit that I'm trying to build, which I've in, enjoyed very much. Yeah, yeah. I I literally did that yesterday. But I took the time out and it it was so nice, especially when your skin's soft. And you just smell of like sweet, 
senses or you know and, and it really can be like you were saying we're in a moment of self-care of like and then also like mindfulness in a sense of coming back to yourself physically so yeah i, I thought it, it was definitely one that i'm gonna continue doing every once in a while for sure and i can imagine candles and incense and a magazine will just like heighten that it'll take it next level so there's still more <laughs> i can do to heighten this experience let's combine everything we're all doing and just place it into one thing and you know have the best habit possible <laughs> um you're hearing it here first but the next thing i'm gonna pioneer is like yoga in the bath <laughs> i'm gonna figure out how to do that and you know cash that in it depends what kind of bath you have but i can imagine that being pretty messy <laughs> <laughs> You kind of touched on it, Daniela, but like the topic of mental health is also quite huge when talking about like building up healthy habits and positive habits. It's almost important to acknowledge, like to look after our mental health for sure, right? But at the same time, it's important to acknowledge when it's not possible for us to do that ourselves. These are difficult times and obviously it's, causes us to really reach inside ourselves and try and get through it and try and be as positive as we can. You know, okay, the gym's not open, but I'm going to try this. You know, all these various ways that we're trying to kind of make it through this lockdown and, you know, the various restrictions we have. Um, But on the flip side, I think it's okay for us to recognise sometimes when it is difficult. Like um, like for me personally, sometimes, because I I tend to be sometimes really happy-go-lucky and, you know... uh, try and be positive but there is a side to like that where you it's a bit toxic you know being a bit toxic in your positivity by not acknowledging the difficulties uh, and um trying to only airbrush the good bits and how it's you know having a good effect on you and not really actually processing the fact that we are going through quite a, a difficult time right now i think that's a very interesting point because um just as i was sort of making a link between talking about habits and how we very quickly drift into self-care. I think the other direction that that concept flows is that people talk about habits and synonymously you're thinking about being productive and doing things that make oneself quote unquote a better person or like more productive person. And it's almost like I've definitely felt this that like sometimes when I feel a bit down and I feel like I can't really do the things I would normally want to be doing on that day, I feel guilty and then try to force myself to be productive or to have that positive like attitude towards my day and the things I have to do but I don't know I feel like last year there's been definitely times when good friends of mine have pointed out that you know like it's okay some days to just watch tv or it's okay to not be create creating something at all times and acknowledging that is also something that's important that I don't know it's something to do with like habitual patterns of thinking that you 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 fall into this habit of thinking you always have to be productive or always be joyful or, or always be you know making the most of your day and sometimes you can't and that's that's it's important that you understand that that's fine right yeah totally a lot of people talk about how um, it's important to watch your thoughts, which it is, and, you know, uh, to challenge your thoughts when they're going into negative spaces, to, um, you know, surround surround yourself with 
positive affirmations for sure. But sometimes um, you don't want that to slip into this territory where it's becoming a way for you to disacknowledge your your true feelings or how you know what your body is telling you or how you're experiencing certain things, you know? And, um, you know, when you get to that space where you are forcing yourself to be productive just for the sake of being productive so you feel better about yourself, that's when positivity can become toxic. And actually it's not really, it's, it's not really serving you, is it? Forcing yourself to do things that aren't necessarily in your best interest when you're under particular pressures and stress. And if you're trying to remain positive, when there are a lot of things happening at the same time that it needs to be kind of processed, I think it kind of betrays you genuinely working through it and acknowledging it. I think also it's worth acknowledging what that positivity must might be stopping you from doing. Like, say, for example, um, speaking to people about how you feel and getting help or not feeling so alone, maybe addressing some of the things that you're you're unhappy about. So it's important to understand how how that might be affecting you in a negative way, even though on the surface of things, it's like you're you're keeping the the energy, keeping up a good appearance, and maybe keeping up your spirit. But below that, maybe um, there are bigger things that need to be worked through. Yeah, yeah. On a, a wider scale, Daniela, you mentioned um, productivity, and I find it fascinating in a time like this where um, things have slowed down and we're not necessarily always as productive as we could be um, or have been, um, and many people are having to come to terms with that idea that, you know, compared to what we've always been taught in terms of, like, our um, hustle culture or the Protestant work ethic, you know, that productivity is king, you know, that's how useful we are in society. We're productive and useful to our employers or to our family or to whoever. And at this present time, we can't always be productive in the ways that we would used to be. And also recognising that productivity isn't necessarily a good thing in a time like this. So having this moment happen is very counterintuitive for many people to what, you know, they've been trained to do in society. Yeah, I think that fits in nicely to this term that I was reading about recently called leavism. And basically it described when people use their sick days and like evenings and times off to catch up with work. And I think, you know, if you're someone who's freelance, maybe this sounds like something you are quite used to doing. But I think it's been found that a lot of people who are, employed by full-time employers are doing this in the during these times just because they feel the pressure to like um, keep up appearances for work and to almost produce at their maximum possible possible uh, amount so they feel a sense of job security right because uh, we're going through this sort of period where redundancies are happening and people are losing their jobs um so, yeah, that's been an interesting concept to be introduced to at this time. Yeah, when you said that term to me, I thought it was a, a very good way to kind of pinpoint or, or sum up the way that people are, it ties into productivity in the sense of like people are still trying to 
appear, as you said, or produce the same amount of productivity and output despite the circumstances and setbacks that are currently occurring. Um, but bringing this back into positive habits, it's um, again recognizing um, what you need and what um, will keep you afloat in a time like this uh, and really kind of looking into the self-care routines that you have and um, looking after yourself really. Because things aren't really normal. We're not doing things in the way that we're used to. There's lots of things sort of in flux. We're examining, you know, what does it mean that all your team is working from home? How do I get hold of them if they are not responding on, you know, the messaging apps that we use or whatever? Um, and there's lots of things to work out, like, okay, how do we work effectively as a team but still support each other and you know if you want to in these dark you know January days go out and put your face in the sun for half an hour in the middle of the day and have your lunch break and then work maybe a bit later in the evening like how does that how can we fit all of this in with each other I think that's interesting because you have this on the one hand something about flexibility I think in some workplaces people do want to encourage that that you can work flex flexibly and and be mindful of what you might need to do differently as you would if you were going to um, a workplace and have an office space right and the term that comes into mind is results oriented work styles right like if you however you need to get your stuff done during the day if it we're not you know we're not counting the hours that you're working just like if as long as you can do it do it your way we're happy with that and on the one hand that's obviously brilliant to think in those terms but yet on another hand is like well maybe that can be quite dangerous at times as well because for someone who maybe is a bit obsessive and perfectionist that I would say probably I am what does it mean, like getting the results, finishing all the tasks that could end up being, you know, a really, really long day if I try to do everything and finish it all. So for someone like me, it's probably better actually to have a proper time where it's like at this time I've finished work rather than saying results orientated because that like as a benchmark might be different between different people and I think this loops back on the thing of like it has to work for you you have to examine where your the danger zone for yourself is almost yeah Rosemary thank you so much for joining us on this episode um it's so great to have you here thank you for having me I'm so excited to be here (laughs) Brilliant. Um, yeah, so first things first, um, please just tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Um, again, thanks for having me here, Rona and Danny. Um, I'm Rosemary Ikbema, the founder of MindMap. And um, I started this business three years ago because it was something that was truly important to me. What I do um, is design journals, planners, agendas. Essentially, I want to provide people with the tools to um, reconnect with goals and values that really align with them um, and achieve them, not just, you know, setting those goals, but achieve them, doing it in a balanced way, taking sure, making sure mental health is, is in place, making sure that they, they don't forget the areas in life that are also important to achieving those goals. And self-care and mindfulness 
um, and just productivity tools to allow them to achieve those goals in a more productive, balanced and fun way. Um, I, like I said, I've been doing this for three years. Before then, I was in the corporate world, kind of slugging it out in um, marketing. I worked for media companies and broadcasting companies, um, which was super fun. I, I had a great time. I worked for brands that I was super proud of, you know, like the BBC Worldwide and CNN and AMC. So that's a little bit about myself. Um, I love being active, so I, I, I dance a lot. You know, I like love of plants and just the little fun side of me. <laughs> it's so interesting that you've had this um, sort of almost pivoting from what is like almost like a nine to five corporate job where you knew what to expect every day to starting your own company. Um, and so I'd um, love to hear a bit more about that whole journey and like sort of what you've learned and found along the way. Yeah, I mean, I never thought that this would be the the line that I would take career-wise or the business I would even start. I've had plenty of business ideas in the past, but never actually followed through. So this is very surprising to me, but it just feels so right. I came up with the idea because I've um, I've always kind of taken time to self-reflect, um, taking time to, you know, I... I, I've been very driven from a very young age, coming from a single parent um, home, you know, no siblings, so it's just me. So it's kind of, you got to do it for yourself. So I've always kind of been very focused. And being part of focused, I think, allowed me time to self-reflect as to what do I actually want? You know, how do I get it? And that led me part into the path of not just thinking about success in the conventional way, career-wise, but about myself. Because in my mid-20s, everything just seemed to be falling apart, and I just didn't understand why. So broke up with a long-term um, partner. You know, my friendships were kind of on the rocks. Um, I didn't have the job that I wanted. My, you know, my my relationship with my mom was not great. And at that time, I stopped and I thought, okay, it can't be everybody else around me. It must be me. <laughs> and that's how I started this personal development journey, kind of looking at, you know, I started journaling then. Um, I read the, the book, The Artist's Way, a friend sent me, sent me, which was about journaling and actually just find, finding the creativity in yourself and being playful again, um, which I think we forget because, we're, we're, you know, it's go, go, go especially in London, where it's so busy, you know, there's so many high achievers and it's competition. So it just allowed me to stop, reflect, play, have fun, reconnect with myself, and then just build those areas in life that I felt was not, they weren't where I wanted them to be. And um, I didn't realize that it was going to lead me to this part 10 years down the line, because I was at the job that I loved the most and there was a restructuring that took place and I just didn't get on with the manager there was an element of bullying and racial discrimination and again I was at that point where I was like okay I need to change something what what I what do I need to do to move myself away from this situation that is unpleasant that was actually beginning to cause me physical um, health issues um, and as I got my friends together to do a vision board <laughs> and um, the idea popped out and my friend I said oh why hasn't someone done this and my friend said why don't you do it and this time around it just clicked it made sense and that's how it started and I left that job took on um, a contract job for a year and the plan was I will work for a year whilst preparing this business um, on the side and then leave and do it full time and that's 
that's how it happened. I mean, I, I did stay in the job for about four or five months, a little longer, because they extended the contract, which was absolutely perfect for me. And then I left to start this. And that that's kind of how, um, yeah, how it happened. Rosemary, find it really interesting because you've obviously had experience um, in, you know, quite demanding fields, say like the corporate world, and now you're an on self-entrepreneur, um, which I would say is yet again quite demanding. So I was just wondering if you've had any thoughts as to, you know, how those, um, how you've had to apply yourself differently in those, both those different roles. Yeah, they're very different in terms of the demand <laughs> and the stress. Um, so with the corporate world, you have, I mean, there's always someone telling you or kind of giving you guidance, deadlines, you know, you know, these are the results you need to do to be achieving. There's something that kind of puts you in this kind of safe, I'd say safe box, because you know, okay, I need to deliver this at this time for it to be a success or for me to be a good worker. And as an entrepreneur, when you're starting out, you don't necessarily have that. And I think that for me, that was one of the biggest challenge where I had to learn to set my own boundaries, learn to set my own, um, you know, benchmarks you know how how many hours do I need to do I need to work to achieve you know whatever goal I need to achieve um so those are kind of the different stresses that I for me I experience how I dealt with the transition itself is essentially what I'm the products that I'm, I'm, I'm providing for people. It's about preparing yourself. It's about preparing yourself mentally, preparing yourself emotionally, preparing yourself financially, physically, you know, your relationships. And that's the work that I did before I left. So before I left, um, I actually had a coach at that time and we, we discussed, okay, so it's going to be very different, um, working for yourself. You're going to be at home, How's how's your structure going to look like? Because it's going to be a, a big culture, a, a big cultural shock from an office environment to just you being at home working for yourself. So I had then had to start putting a plan together, create my home office that was comfortable for me, that I felt this is going to be conducive to a productive working day. I had to start rewiring my brain in terms of. How am I going to deal with certain situations? What are, what are my routines going to be that's going to help me? Okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to do my meditation. I might go, go to the gym, come back, work for a few hours, take a break. So that part of actually structuring my day helped prepare me through the transition, which I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have um, experienced because of lockdown. They've not had the chance to prepare themselves, you know, for um, a situation like this. And for, I, I was fortunate enough to have that already in place. So when lockdown happened, I was already set up. I was working from home and um, it did change you because obviously socially I couldn't go anywhere, but I had that already set up and it wasn't too much of a shock for me. Um, and again, the mental element, okay, I'll be working by myself. Does that mean I have to make more social plans so that I can, you know, connect, connect with people, you know, kind of leave the workplace, which is my home, you know, so I did a lot of that. I, I would book like my classes during lunchtime. I would book classes, you know, in the evenings, make sure I meet up with friends. Um, so it's a lot of kind of an all round preparation to reduce the stress element that you'll be facing 
um, when you're working by yourself. Obviously, you know, you're, when you're working as a startup, it's just you. So you're the IT person, <laughs> you're the salesperson, you're the marketing person, you're, you're the admin, you're the customer service, you're delivering. So there's a whole bunch, but it, it was so important for me to take care of my, my mindset, my mental and emotional side of things so that I can overcome those challenges a little bit easier. I mean, um, I still face them, but it just helps me overcome them slightly easier if, than if I didn't put those things in place. I think it's really interesting that you've picked up on, you know, uh, the times of COVID and just how like uncertain things are at the moment. And I think... You know, we've been talking a lot on the show about how, you know, people might be struggling at this moment in time with things like, you know, loss of jobs, redundancies and things like that um, impacting their sense of security and this complete shift from like working in offices to suddenly now working from home, which, like you said, like a lot of people just haven't had the preparation for. So um, I wanted to ask you if you had any advice to give to those people about how they can manage like stress and anxiety that might be creeping up in these this very very uncertain time. That's a really good question, Rona. And I've been actually taking a lot of time to reflect on this. Again, I feel very um, blessed to to be in a position like this, and I understand that people are struggling as well. So I do take time to reflect. I think there's five things I'd like to share with people that might help in the process. You know, a lot of people, when we want to make change, we think it's kind of this big, grandiose um, action that we need to do. But these are quite very simple things that you can do, but it has a really compounding effect and will help you. First thing is gratitude. I know there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of people might think we don't have, a, there's not much to be grateful for. But gratitude is actually a way to relieve stress because when you're grateful, you can't be stressed. When you're grateful, you can't be angry. You know, so it's a very simple exercise. The first thing you do in the morning when you open your eyes, think about three, four, five things that you're grateful for. Oh my God, I'm in a warm bed. I'm so grateful. Just that the little things will already reset your thinking and your mind because when you're stressed, you don't, you don't make the best decision and stress is not um, productive. You know, it's just time wasting. The reason why I say gratitude is because that's the foundation where you start the work is in your mind and in your mindset. Yeah. So I'm definitely a novice when it comes to medication and medication, meditation. <laughs> and, um, and I find the thing about gratitude is that like quite often I feel like, oh, feels like quite a grand thing to even approach. So it, it's quite a big word, etc. But in the times that I've tried to practice that, I found that even thinking about the tiniest things, like I just had a really delicious cookie or like I just really enjoyed my lunch just now, it's enough to almost spark that cognitive thing going of what mm -hmm. you're saying is like when you have something to be grateful for, it necessarily brings you some kind of calm and joy. Exactly. It doesn't have to be big things. Like I said, it's just like waking up and going, oh my goodness, I've actually opened my eyes today. You know, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I'm going to um, experience today. And the more you practice gratitude, the more you experience gratitude, because you're now retraining your mind to look out for it. So that would be one of the, the first things that I would say for, to, to help. The second thing would be, again, the thoughts. 
we need to catch our thoughts because that's, I think that's where you go into the rabbit hole when you're stressed, your thoughts, oh no, what if this happens? And this is what they're thinking. And I might lose my job and, you know, I'm not working hard enough. I need to, so we need to nip that in the bud, first of all. So I would say start with asking empowering questions, empowering questions, because your mind, if you ask your mind a question, it will give you an answer. <laughs> so you need to be um, clever as to what kind of questions you're asking yourself. So if you, if you ask yourself, oh, my God, I don't think I'm good enough of my job. You know, they might. Will, will they keep me? Your mind's probably like, mm, probably not. They won't keep you. Change those questions to. I'm thinking I'm not good enough of my job. Where are the facts that prove this? Right. And if you can't find facts, then clearly, has your manager told you you're not good enough? Have you been warned? You know, is, is there any fact to this thinking? Another one is, you know, um, what am I good at in my job? Or what can I improve in my job? It, it shifts that thinking from stress to actually proactive action that is going to be good for you and productive for you right? Journaling is a perfect way of doing that because stress is having all our thoughts jumbled. And most of the time is it's fear of what's going to happen in the future or regret of what's happened in the past. That's what stress is essentially. And journaling brings you into the moment because if you're stressed about what am you know, am I going to lose my job? But in the moment, you're already, you're, you're, you've got your job. So what have you got to worry about? All you can do in the moment is do what you need to do. You know, you have, an, you have the control to take action in the moment, not in the future, in the moment. So journaling brings you back into the moment and takes all those negative thoughts onto paper. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I have times where I've worried so much about something, but then I've written it down and it almost looks so small and so basic. Have you had yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I've definitely tried to sometimes list out all the things that I thought I had to do, like just taking it on like really basic like to-do list kind of level. Yeah. I write it down and I'm like, is that it? Actually, I can totally do that. <laughs> I have that all the time. And actually, another nugget I'm going to throw is because um, this has actually happened to me when I was starting my business. With journaling, you can actually pull out some subconscious fear, sorry, some unconscious fear that you're not aware of and deal with it because um, this is a good example. I was, when I started, when I was about to leave my job and I realized I need a printer at home and um, it's not expensive. I could afford a printer. It's easy. I can get it from Amazon for, or, or any retailers. It's, it's not rocket science. But for some reason, weeks and weeks went on and I didn't get a printer. And I was like, okay, why are you not getting a printer? And it would be on my list and I'll never do it. And then one day I was journaling in the morning. I was like, okay, I need to get a printer. Da, 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 da. And then I literally just was writing and this thought came into my mind and said, oh, you think you really, you really think you're going to be a success? Is that why you want to get a printer? And I was like, oh, so that's, that's what's been holding me back. You know, that's what's been giving me that anxiety and that stress. Once I knew it, what did I do? I went out and bought my printer and I was like, damn right, I'm going to be a success. So journaling really helps take all those conscious, unconscious, stressed thoughts, puts it onto paper, or even just brings it out. It highlights it to you, and then you can deal with it. So it's important to, to journal and ask yourself really empowering questions as to self-defeating questions. And the third thing would be action. Stress is energy. 
And if we're sitting at home, we're on our laptops, we're not moving, we can build that energy and it just sits in your body. So I would say get up, move about, go for a walk, shake it off, dance, whatever. Just shift that energy because it's so important because once that energy is shifted, it gives you, you have a clear mind. You see things a little bit differently. It's not so heavy. It's not so bad. Um, That would be it. So whatever you do, go take care of your body, move, go for a walk, run, whatever it is, yoga. Yeah. And do it um, regularly, right? Like every hour if possible. Every hour. It's good for you. This is, you know, I I had a conversation with an osteopath and, you know, just sitting down. It's just, you know, people are now reporting back pains, a stiff hip. And the reason as well is because we carry our stress in our bodies. So, you know, some people carry it on their shoulders, some people carry it on their, on their hips. So it's good to move around when you're sitting and you're getting those emails and you, you might not even be aware that the stress is, you know, you're, you're beginning to think, you know, um, stress, stressful thoughts. But by moving around, you can easily hopefully shift that with your body. And once you shift that with your body, your mind will feel a little bit more at ease. I think it's really interesting that you've pointed out how like, Almost uh, sometimes when we talk about positive habits, uh, we link it a lot to productivity. But what you're outlining there with just like the movement of the body is a habit that is just good inherently for you. So I think there's something quite interesting in a definition of what a positive habit is that is not so connected to productivity and what what we get done and what we um, achieve, if you know what I mean. And it's just more about Uh, what we give to ourselves, you know? You know, productivity is a whole range of things. It's your mind. And yes, surely it's about how you execute whatever actions you have in place to to make it efficient um, and effective, because that's what productivity, you want to get there as soon as as you, you can and provide the best quality, right? And how do you do that? It's with your body, your mind, the way your ethics, the way you work, you know, um, the way you execute. It's all very, very, um, it's a rounded process. And I think when we isolate them, that's when we get into, um, we fall into issues and, you know, we we don't see the productivity happening and we, we, we question ourselves, right? Um, yeah. So the other one, actually, that leads quite nicely to productivity. The fourth thing I would suggest is taking action. Taking action, because again, stress is just in our heads, you know, we're just sitting there stressed. But are we actually taking positive, productive actions? What can you do? I think there's this quote that I have on, on our Instagram. I, I can't remember if it's a quote or a saying. And it says, if you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think we kind of sometimes feel so self-defeated and we're just like, oh, there's nothing I can do. There is something you can do. It's just about finding out what you can do. It might not necessarily be the, the action that will make you you know, will allow you to stay in that job forever. But what about, okay, what can I do? Can I improve my skills? Are there some skills that I I can learn in the meantime that will improve my possibility or my chances of, you know, either staying in the role that I am or even getting a better role? Perhaps is it time for me to even consider looking at other companies right now? Are they hiring? So these are really empowering actions that you can take that gives you a sense of control as to you being the victim of the situation. 
because you always have a choice to do something. So there's two things we have, a choice to do something or a choice to accept it, right? So if you don't want to accept it, you, you do so, whatever it is, what, however small it is, you know, okay, I'm choosing not to let this get to me. I'm going to go and um, learn a new course. Actually, I'm reevaluating my life. Maybe this is not the route I want to take. Maybe I want to try something else now. This has given me a choice. So that's that's the fourth one. And the last one, actually, it, it comes with the taking action as well. Um, and the choice is being honest and speaking to your manager. If you're stressed about this and you're worried about it, reach out because they're humans too. Most likely they're stressed out and worried as well. You know, if, if it's a good manager, he will, they, they will understand um, and they will, you know, let you know what you need to know. But it is again about taking that control and taking that power and being strong enough to be vulnerable and saying, you know what, I'm really stressed out or this is how I feel, you know, um, is there something I can do or do you know, do you have any more information you can share with me that will help me or just, you know, feedback or what's going on in the business. So those are the the five things that I um, would suggest that might help. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed hearing that because also they are so practical suggestions. Um, really think like, um, some of these can be put into action like right now or today and, and also for, for food for thought um, in the long term as well. Um, one thing that I think ties quite nicely into this sort of um, this, all these tips that you've been giving as well is around the idea of sort of setting boundaries of your um work life which becomes even more difficult when we work from home not just because physically we're in the same space but we recently came across this really interesting term called leavism which I wasn't familiar with before but um you know it it means that when people use their time off for example your annual leave to as sick days or um to finish work that you weren't able to finish um during your normal hours which is I think um, probably worse now that people are working from home and also have a are fueled by a sense of anxiety that they have to make sure that they are sort of working to a standard and that they that they have that job security. Um, I wondered if you had any thoughts around this very specific phenomenon. No, I, I, this is the first time I'm hearing it myself, but I, I'm not surprised because you. you, you you do hear city workers who just can't cope with the workload and are doing work at the night, you know, on holidays, etc. And I've had situations where I've had to do a bit of work whilst I was on holiday at a lovely beach in Zanzibar. Oh, well, it is unfortunate. It is unfortunate if this is, um, if this is what people feel like they have to do to, to ease that stress level in terms of the fear that they might, lose their job if they don't put in the time and it's so important like you said to be be able to set boundaries set boundaries because again we're working from home so there's perhaps this perception that you can be working at any time no that is not healthy as uh employees they they your employees should be thinking about your mental health they should be thinking about your health again if your employers are not happy if they are not physically and mentally healthy they do not work the best. So it is for the employee's benefit to actually be thinking about this. But again, the, the onus is on, on us 
to to set these boundaries, however difficult it is. I know it's it can be very challenging um, because you want to show up in the best way you can, but you have to be able to set these boundaries and say, listen, these are my working hours and this is what I can, you know, this is when you can reach me and put things in place that enables you to hold these boundaries, you know, pause your, your emails for a while, switch your work phone off. So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm taking this time off, but you're still checking your emails because then that defeats the purpose. The other thing that I also wanted to say if, is um, I also understand because, again, it, it really depends on what your balance is. When I speak about balance, this can look very different to to different to everybody, you know, and it can also look very different from day to day or week to week or month to month or year to year. So for example, when I'm, when I started as a business owner, as you know, a young business owner, um, my business is just three years for me, my priority is my work. So I understand that I will put a little bit more time in my work as I, than I would normally do just so that it can get to a level where it's, strong enough and I, it can look after itself and then I can take that time back and refocus that or you know split that between other areas in my life that's important so you need to also be honest with yourself and think about okay what is my main focus here do I have like a big work project that I do need to put in the hours to complete if it, that's the case then it's okay to maybe take you know work extra and take a bit of time off to work, to just finish that project but again it's that awareness going okay after this project i am taking time for myself i'm reclaiming that time back and putting it where it needs to be in my self care in my relationships in my joy in my fun so it's it's yeah it's it's self reflection it's being brave to speak out about it and setting those boundaries and sticking with those boundaries and also just self-awareness and knowing, okay, this is what I need to do for now. It's going to take me a week. It's going to take me two months and I'll put in the work. But then after that, I'm going to take some time for myself. Rosemary, I think that's a really interesting point you just said there, because I think realistically, we all have moments in our lives where we have to give to one area of our life more than more. You know, is ideal or is, um, sustainable if you know what I mean but this yeah. whole idea of reclaiming time and just having that awareness and reclaiming things for yourself I think is a super healthy way of looking at things because yeah, yeah you will have times where you need to work 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 but you know that's why we also have two two weeks holiday or whatever it is yeah. you know um yeah, yeah. So like, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at things for when you do actually have to put in more Exactly. But then that uh, the, the challenge becomes you need to be a person who is who who values reflection, right? Because it takes time for you to reflect and find out where you are in life and what you need to make a priority. Because if you don't take that time, time will fly by. I don't know. For me, it felt like um, I was working. I was just kind of working through these companies. Yes, I loved it. And, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm here. How did I get here? Am I happy here? Is this, you know, is this what I really want? So it's constantly taking time to reflect and going, checking in with yourself and going, okay, so I've done this. How does it feel? Does it feel good? Do I want to carry on doing it? Or do I need to do something else? Or do I need to do more of it? Um, and I think that's the challenge we face because it can be so fast paced life and with everything going on, 
you know, we kind of um, don't make that a priority anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you guys if you guys feel this as well. Yeah, no, totally. I think I would agree. Um, when you were speaking there, I was almost just thinking about whether you had any ideas or um, even to just speak on your own personal like rituals or routines that you uh, embed into your days, if you know what I mean, or your weeks mm-hmm. to allow for reflection or just to allow for like daily, daily self-care maybe. Yeah, I can share some, some of mine, but please, um, again, it's not a one size um, fits all. So what fits me might not fit someone else. It could be just the worst idea of, you know, a daily routine. So, um, you know, I would suggest people kind of experiment with what works for them. And if it works, it works. Um, but for me, since even before I left um, my corporate job and started the business, the mornings are so important to just take a moment because it's so easy to kind of rush into it. But the mornings are great for me. It helps ground me. It helps set an intention. So I would wake up. Um, I would, I have my yoga mat ready. So I just sit there. I do some stretches just to kind of limber my body a little bit from a night's sleep. Um, I'll drink some water, some tea. Um, I take some time to meditate. Again, it might not be for you and that's fine, but just um, experiment and find what works. Um, I would meditate, could be from 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then I have my, you know, I have my journal next to me. Any ideas that come to mind, I write it down. I, you know, kind of set the tone for the day. I put, a, I have a list of my things that I need to achieve. So that just really sets a good foundation for the day. And I notice that if I don't do that for maybe one or two or three days, my energy just shifts, you know, I, I, I'm not focused. I am agitated. And, and then you, that's when you realize that these little things actually make a difference. So those would be the things that I do. Um, again, just moving my body, just taking, you know, sometimes I don't even do like a, a guided meditation. I just sit there for a moment, you know, just, just sit there, you know, let your thoughts go, you know, just just be in that moment before you get back into the rush. So that's that's my my little things that I do. <laughs> um, that sounds like such a great way to start the day, not rushing into things. I think that's so easy to do, um, especially if you're commuting to work, let's say. So in some ways, um, I guess just as it was almost a moment of personal um, crisis that led you to start this journey of like reflecting on what kind of habits you want to build, etc. I feel like we're collectively in a moment where life is unexpected and, and if it's possible, if we can take something out of like it as an opportunity to build some new habits and positive ones, that is, that's, that's potentially a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. I guess one other thing that we've, I've found quite interesting to think about whilst talking about this topic is how do you know when something has become a habit? And also in that case, perhaps talking about positive habits that you would like to build, but also, you know, we have habitual patterns of thinking and, and sometimes these can be negative things as well that are habits. Um, and yeah, I just wondered actually both of your thoughts around around that, you know, picking up on something, becoming a habit and, and how to stick at something until it does feel like a habit, that you've actually built a habit. Yeah. Um, 
so for something to become a habit, I mean, I, the, there's the signs that said that it has to, you have to do it regularly, um, repetitively for 64, 66 days. That's why my journal's always 90 days, just to allow your buffer. It's okay if you miss a day, you know, or two in between, it's fine. I think that's when people are like, oh, my, I'm going to do this 30-day challenge. Oh, no, I missed the second day. I'm not doing it again. No, just carry on. <laughs> just carry on. It's okay. <laughs> Definitely been there. <laughs> You're just like, no, I missed the day. I, I give up. You oh, know? No. forget about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just carry on because you're still building that um so in terms of building it it is doing it regularly and repetitively and it's not going to be fun a lot of things that we do that are new that are going and I think yeah that's what I want to kind of rebuff this kind of um thinking of if you're building a positive habit you're going to enjoy it no you're not going to enjoy it because you know it's new. And if, if you really enjoyed it, you would have done it before. No. So it's, <laughs> so it's not going to be like, Oh my God, look at me. I'm building this habit and I'm having so much t- fun doing it. No, it's going to be hard work. So don't expect it to just be a great experience at the beginning. The result, it's a lasting thing. You need to see it as a long-term goal as to a short-term goal. Um, because the benefits you get is going to be long-term as opposed to immediate. You might not see it immediately. It's doing it um, regularly. You might not want to do it, but it's something that you need to do that will help you. And it's not always something you see. It's not tangible. Um, for example, when I said, you know, the meditation and the stretching and just having a moment to myself really helps. It's like brushing your teeth. If you miss um if you miss it a few times, you're not going to see, it's not going to show up and go, oh my God, look, my teeth's falling out because I didn't brush one time. No, it's going to take a long time for you to notice the the downsides of not, not having those positive um, uh, habits. So don't expect immediate results or tangible results that you can see immediately. Because again, I think we, we live in this world where we want fast results, right? We, we want instant gratification. I just did my gratitude and I don't feel grateful. So it doesn't work. No, <laughs> it's going to take time. <laughs> and then I was just going to say the teeth brushing analogy is such a great one. I think on Rick and Morty in one of the episodes, they um, t- they liken teeth brushing, t- uh, sorry, they liken having therapy to brushing your teeth. That is, you just need to do it, even though it's not that fun, and but you will benefit from it in the long term. Um, but I have to say 60 days, if you think about it, is quite long. I was thinking more like if you start doing it for a week, you've built up a habit. So that's actually a really interesting benchmark. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's because you got to build your, it's a new connection in your, in your brain. And it's going to take a time for it to, to build. It's the more you do it, the stronger it becomes, essentially. It's like a muscle. Yeah. And it's good to know, though, that if you miss a day, it's not the end of the world. I'm going to keep that in mind. (laughs) And you asked, how do you, how do you know when it has become a habit? Because it becomes a little bit easier to do. So it's not something you have to think about, Um, you know, and it's, hopefully not something that you dread doing anymore. It's like going to the gym. You might dread going to the gym for the first few weeks or so. And then um, when it becomes a habit, you, you, you might not enjoy it, but it's easier for you to go. Um, and then maybe it, become, it becomes enjoyable. And the other way you, you know that it's become a habit is when um, you don't do it 
And then you, you see the repercussions of not doing it. So again, with me, if I don't move my body, if I haven't gone for a walk for a few days or done some exercise, I feel it in my body, my energy shifts. Then you know, oh, this has become a habit because now your body, your mind is expecting this, is used to this. It's a strange way to look at, you know, like missing something that takes so much discipline to build up initially and which you, you might not even like initially. I think it's listening to your body as well. Your body's always giving you signs. Your mind's always giving you signs. That's why the self-reflection is so important to realize. And I think one thing I wanted to actually bring up with habit, I think we all kind of have the set of this is what a healthy habit looks like. And this is what you need to do for the rest of your life to be, to have healthy habits. And again, it really depends on you. So for me, in terms of maybe my self-care would be going to a dance class for someone else. It could be maybe fixing something electronical, or it could be, you know, using their mind a little bit differently. So it's figuring out what works for you. You can have a habit that's positive to you and you've been doing it for a few months. You've been doing it for a few years, but then it doesn't become, it becomes actually a negative habit after a while. So I know you're a believer of the Pareto principle or like the 80-20 rule. For those of us who are not totally familiar with that concept, i.e. me, um, could you tell us a bit more about what that is and how like to put that into our daily activity in a practical sense? Yeah, so it's this theory by um, this Italian theorist. He claimed 20% of what we do gives you 80% of the results, essentially. Um, And this can be applied in various different themes. So it could be in the task you do, it can be in the wealth in the the world. I know it's probably less than 20%, but it's roughly around that, you know, if you look at it, the people that hold the most wealth in the world is probably less than 20%, but they probably hold 80% of the wealth in the world. So if you look at it in in various ways, in systems, um, if you want to apply it in terms of productivity, what the task is involves is actually helping you pick out what are the crucial tasks that will get you the results that you want the quickest and the best way. The practical sense of it is you write your list down of what you need to do. And if you follow the 80-20, so 20% of what's on this list is likely to give you 80% of the results that you need. What is your ultimate goal for the day? What is it that you need to achieve for the day? And then pick the thing, the two, three things off that list that's going to get you to that goal as opposed to, I'm just going to do, send that email because it's easier. I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to go do the shopping because, you know, um, I, and I think that's what we do. We tend to shy away from the things that, we need to do because one, it takes, it's probably difficult. Two, it is not something we enjoy some of the times. So we're like, oh no, I'll do that later. But those are the things that is going to actually take you further on on your journey. And what I love about it is because then once you've done those two, three things, now I have time to consider the rest of my list and, and go, okay, are these the things that I really need to do? Or are there things that I don't actually need to do? And I can use that time for something better. I can use that time for self-reflection. I can use that time for spending with with family and friends or a Zoom call with my friends rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it. So it just buys you time to actually do things that are important to you as well. Yeah, that's really clear. And um, 
really helpful. Yeah. So we're coming towards the end of our, our interview. And I just had a couple of more questions. Um, one was that um, what are some of the sort of maybe scientific or spiritual readings that you found really helpful or compelling while you were getting into this area that you can maybe recommend to our listeners? All right. So the thing I would recommend or one of the books that started me on this journey, um, I think I mentioned earlier on, is called The Artist Way. Um, it is it is it's super fun. It taps into your creativity. It taps into your playfulness. And I think we all need that now because there's just such a, a heavy energy that's sitting globally. Um, and I think we need to tap into that a little bit more. What brings you joy? And I think from a place of joy, we can be more productive. We can be more efficient, effective, and we can, you know, we can make changes in our life. I'd rather make change, change from a place of joy than a place of stress. So the artist way would be one um, in terms of productivity. Eat that frog is a good book. Um, it just encourages you to, you know, be able shows you how to set goals and what you need to do to achieve those goals in a productive way. Um, I love books by um, Eckhart Tolle. That is more about mindfulness. You know, the power of noun, um, uh, a new earth. It just reinforces that. This is the only moment we have, um, and this is the only moment we have to make any changes or to take any action. And it's just really nice to know because, again, we're living in that past of you know the 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 um, the fear of the future, what might happen, and the regrets of the past. But it just brings you back into this moment. Brene Brown, she has some good books about vulnerability because I think it's important. I think you know we're at this point where you you can't just stay stay you know tough and oh i'm okay everything's fine you know you have to open up and accept that yeah it's it's a little challenging for me um in these ways and that ways and be honest about it and be able to talk about it so those were the ones i would i would recommend i think yeah You've given us so, so much, Rosemary. Thank you so much. Great tips, lots of great advice and ways of thinking that I'm really starting to apply just in my own little brain. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I feel like um, it's been like taking some well-needed medicine, actually talking to you, like um, this idea that it might it might be work, there might be some difficult days where you might skip a day of trying to build your habits or whatnot, but ultimately it's going to be a good thing so I'm I'm excited to translate some of that into my own life so could you just tell us for the people who would like to follow your work and um, your brand where to find you sure I would love to connect with people and if anyone has any questions please feel free to get in touch so you can find um, mind map I'll spell that because it's spelled unconventionally it's m-y-n-d-m-a-p dot co uh you can get in touch with me we have we're on social so instagram facebook and twitter um you can connect with me on linkedin if you want to have a conversation great thank you so much for for being our guest today it's been absolutely delightful thank you for having me i have had so much fun speaking with you both It's such a pleasure to have you on our show and congratulations on completing your first novel. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. 
Um, so your book is called Asking for a Friend. Um, it's about three friends who are across the age range of 20s, 30s, 40s, and they're trying to help each other solve their dating conundrums once and for all by asking people out on each other's behalf, right? Um, it's, it's such a lovely premise, and it, it seems to be about, you know, there's going to be a friendship involved, and it just feels awkward and funny straight away. I can't wait to finish reading it. Um, I'd love to hear, like, what inspired you to write this novel? So um, a lot of it came down to me reading loads of dating books and just learning so much about what had happened in my life. And I was like, how can I take what I'm getting from these books and turn them into a story? And then, you know, I started molding them out of who I've been, I guess. Um, and it's heightened, you know, <laughs> like if anyone, for example, reads Megan, like I wasn't exactly like that. She's a bit ballsy and a bit loud and a bit, you know, but um, yeah, I sort of crafted the characters out of me and it all, it all sort of slowly came together like that. Um, I'm only at the beginning of the book and I'm definitely sort of giggling away as I read it already. So I can't wait to um, sort of proceed with it. But um, I was thinking, you know, not to get too authorial intention about it. I, I was just wondering, obviously, your hopes are probably that when people read the book, they're going to be laughing all the way through it. Um, but, you know, is there something that you would hope that people would get from this book as they tuck into it the most? Uh, apart from the laughter, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want them to enjoy the celebration of female friendship as well, because that's as much that you know that's as much a part of the book as the romance and the dating stuff is. Um, and also, like if there's stuff in their own lives where you know, or their own relationships where they felt a bit stuck or something hasn't made sense at the time, that I hope that through what the girls go through, that people get insights about their own relationship history because I did in writing it. So hopefully my hope is that that's what um, the readers get as well. Yeah. I, the f sort of friendship and support you get from your good friends is so important, especially in times like this. So this episode of our show is actually about building positive habits, um, especially in these times where everything is a bit abnormal. Yeah. So from the perspective of, you know, completing your first novel and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had to get into some habits around that. And I'd just love to hear a bit. Did you consciously make any new habits while you were writing this um, book? And is there anything that you still continue to benefit from that maybe you got from that um, process? Gosh, you know, I have to say this is such a great topic because, you know, this lockdown is doing a number on us. And what it is, it's like this like slow water torture of like a drip 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 every day so so taking um actions to alleviate some of the stresses or whatever or strains that it causes is really important so for me one of the i mean the fundamental thing i i have sort of tried to stick with is just moving my body and being in connection with my body every day which is a funny way of saying it, but what I mean is not to be just like locked into just exercise. It's not just about exercise. It's about, you know, like maybe just having a walk and being outside and having some fresh air. Or if you've got a garden, you know, sitting outside for an hour and planting your feet on the ground. I had a, <laughs> I got into the habit of, of uh, you know, taking my shoes and socks off and walking on my grass uh, when mm. it was when it was sunny. Do you know what I mean? Because I've, you know, I saw this documentary about earthing, they call it. And I was just like, I'm sold, <laughs> you know, I'm doing this. I don't even care whether the science is completely hokey, I'm, I'm in. 
I think things like that. I mean, I'm no angel when it comes to this. Days that there's days that I forget or like, oh, I don't feel like it or whatever. But when I feel a little bit, maybe a bit down or a bit sort of at sea, I know that if I do something with the body, even if it's like doing a bit of vacuum cleaning or do the washing up or put some clothes out, yeah, you know, like you know, wash some clothes or whatever, that you're doing something physical and it just takes your energy down from your head and into back into your body where, where it kind of, we get out of balance, especially in Western society of having like way too much energy in the, in the top part of our body and not enough in our actual body. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's such an interesting way to approach it. I recently read a, read a study about how on like people who maybe they've had injuries in one part of their body. And if they, for example, if they can't move their left Uh, arm let's say and they continue to do exercise and physio with their right arm the muscles in their left side also benefit there's like muscular like detectable improvement on the left side that they actually couldn't move which is so bonkers but it just sort of highlights to you how powerful our mind is and and I think what you said is so true it's just about shaking ourselves away from just being so cerebral and mm-hmm. and thinking and contemplating and especially you know when now we don't even have to commute you know we don't even have to get out of the bedroom to work necessarily it's ever ever so more important absolutely yeah and you know it, it's just a little thing little bit every day it doesn't have to be big gestures you don't have to go for a 10k run or whatever but it's just to rebalance the energy because you know, that the the part of our beings that is dominated by the brain, it would love nothing more than for us to just dwell in our heads, in our headspace and be in all the time and all the rest of it. So this is almost its perfect habitat. But that part of us, it's not always our best friend. You know what I mean? Like people know that from when their brains are just like creating loads of drama and stuff in their head that doesn't actually exist in the world sort of thing. So, so to get, to bring the energy back into the body is, is, is a definite surefire way of just rebalancing and just calming, um, calming ourselves down. Yeah, I agree. And definitely that thing about, you know, not getting down, comparing oneself to the people who are, you know, already maybe into running and act like sporty people. It's just sort of going out for a walk and whatnot. It's already a good start. Well, Andy, I have another question for you. So you are a prolific creator, acting, comedy, writing for the stage, screen, all these disciplines. Now you're releasing your debut novel. How do you pivot between these things? I mean, I, I, I'm desperate to find out. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I wish I had some sort of secret formula for it, but I'm just kind of just doing things that I enjoy. And I'm one of those people where I look at something and go, wow, that looks like fun. And so I give it a go. And then sometimes I find out, oh, it's not so much fun or it's actually quite difficult or, oh, I love it, you know. So it's more like that. And and how I see it is that we are not um, one thing. You know what I mean? Like even if you start out as a comedian, what you're doing is you're channeling creative energy and it happens to be expressed through the form of stand-up comedy. But you can take that same creative energy that comes through you and then express it in the form of a book and then in the form of, you know, your acting work. So the own, the idea that we are locked into one discipline is kind of like, I think it's like this myth that the industry has perpetuated. And it's up to us as artists to just break out of it if we want to. 
Mm, that's such a good point. I feel like so often, even if you go to some kind of coaching or whatnot, people like to ask you, oh, what do you want? What is the thing you want to achieve? Or what is the place you imagine yourself to be in five years? And and that can be quite counterproductive sometimes, don't you think? Yeah, well, I mean, look, the thing is, what's actually interesting about this is like, depending on where you want to get to, it might be in one's interest to just focus on one thing. Do you know what I mean? If you want to, mm. for example, if you're a stand-up and you want to play live at the Apollo, it's not really going to support you to write books or be putting your a lot of your energy into trying to get acting work and stuff like that. You've got to do gig after gig after gig after gig and network and get to know the producers and you know, write and create new shows and go to Edinburgh and do all those things. But, but, and also, so once you get to a certain stage in one discipline, that may facilitate you making a lateral jump into something else. So it really depends what one's goals are. And then even before that, I think the question is like, what are you about? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's your, mm. what, what do you want to, what do you want to achieve? Because for me, I think it's like authenticity through my creativity. And so therefore I'm not locked into any particular um, outlet. Do you know what I mean? I can just do whatever, as long as it's authentic and it's putting um, an authentic expression of me into the world, then I can go in whatever direction. Mm, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I guess it's something about finding a sort of balance between what it is, if, you know, if, you, if it's not clear what it is you necessarily want in five years, but still building the skills that you want to hone in and the things that you're interested in and sort of seeing where that takes you. That kind of reminds me of one thing that you, you I've, I've heard you say about how in the past you, you sort of try to do something every day that contributes to your career or your work. Um, how do you define this? And I mean, don't you ever take a day off? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I'm, I, I, I mean, someone asked me the other day if I'm a workaholic and I have had to train myself to take time off in the sense of like, I would meddle in my career and my craft every day, but actually it's all right to leave it alone sometimes. So it could be, it could be anything. I mean, you know, it could be just like reaching out to contacts. It could be, you know, doing a bit of training. I'm quite into the idea of these masterclass, uh, this online, you know, masterclass videos that you can access. Oh yeah. You know I mean? I would just, I want Alicia Keys to teach me to sing. (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's like whatever feels right for you but just like going back to the previous point as well about like how to find that balance between trying different things and you know realizing a goal I think the ultimate bottom level fundamental question to ask oneself is what makes you happy because I've been to yeah you know been in situations where I've got everything one would would want to achieve in that particular career say for example with stand-up and been unhappy So sometimes all that glitters is not gold. Those goals aren't always really what you think they're going to be. So if you're happy today, really that, that, that's a win. That's, that's, I think that's the ultimate achievement of, and and measure of success is I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing right now. Mm, Yeah. I somehow find what you've just said quite calming and quite empowering. I, I really, yeah, I like that a lot. I'm just wondering, you know, like obviously this past year has been a really uh, interesting one and shaken up lots of people's thoughts about who they are and what they want to achieve and or whatnot. And I just wondered, have your priorities shifted at all in this time or do you have any sort of or are you still sort of sticking with, you know, you know, you know what it is you want to do, you know? Um, get a show commissioned, etc. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I think what what I've got from it is clarity because 
when the lockdown first happened, I sort of went into a freelancer's panic of like just saying yes to everything. So I got involved in lots of little projects and stuff. And, and it, because, you know, nobody had any idea how our industry was going to be impacted. And, you know, for example, I was in the middle of rehearsing a play when the lockdown was brought in. And so it felt like the rug had been completely taken from under me like a lot of people in the arts would have experienced and just in generally in, in, um, in other industries too. So I sort of went into this panic. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say yes to everything. And I think what I've realized is that came out of, of, from a fear, like a fear of not being busy, a fear of they're not, not knowing what's next sort of thing. So what I got from the lockdown isn't so much like an idea of what I want to do, but more a clarity of what I what to say yes to and what to say no to. Do you know what I mean? Like saying no is is a really big deal in a freelancer's life <laughs> because mm. we're just so used to like not knowing what's around the corner that we say yes to lots of things. But actually when we empower ourselves to just go, do you know what? I, gosh, that sounds like fun. And I hope, I wish you all the best with it, but it, I, I, I don't think I can be involved in that. Um, it's, it's a big deal. So uh, yeah, I, I started to say no to more, th- more things. Yeah, learning to say no is such a difficult one. We've been talking about this a lot on the show as well. And it comes down to also things like kind of tying into the thing of making time for yourself and taking time off and whatever. I think um, as a lot of people who are maybe overachievers and and just want to also be supportive, right? Like kind of coming back to the friendship thing and whatnot, you have to be in a good place to be a good friend as well. So like saying no also goes into these categories as well, like on a daily day, day to day basis yeah absolutely I mean we've got to have our our boundaries and boundaries because I think some people get into a bit of a panic thinking that saying no having boundaries um all that sort of thing is selfish and then they don't want to occur as selfish so they say yes to everything and they become carers and stuff and you know in the extreme version of it they just want to take care of everybody and not take care of themselves but like you say you can't pour from an empty cup and and the other thing I saw, like, I think I saw it on IG or something. It was like, um, oh, what, what did it say? Oh, yeah, just because I'm free, it doesn't mean that I'm available. Mm. Or just because I'm not doing anything doesn't mean that I can do the thing, you know what I mean, the thing that you're asking me to do. I said I'm not free, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that one is so, so important. And I think the thing for me as well is that if this is something about setting the boundaries once again because as people who are nice and you know want to I in general I think it's not that easy to sort of like say no to people just on a human level and I think it's almost like knowing that it's important to set these boundaries as a way of self-protection really so that there's not so much noise and, and it doesn't become completely unmanageable un- un- for you absolutely yeah well, I think that's all of my questions. Um, Andy, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I guess people can pick up a copy of your book when it launches on February 4th uh, from WH Smith or Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's all, all good booksellers. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can get it online, Amazon, WH Smith, Waterstones. It's actually going to be in Tesco's and Sainsbury's, I found out the other day, which I'm really pleased about because that's one of the few places where we can all go and still shop. So, you know, if you happen to be browsing the uh, the book section paperback section is going to be there yeah fantastic a good book about friendship and supporting each other and filled with laughter I think that's something that anybody can enjoy in this time so yeah thank you Andy and congratulations again oh thank you so much
Well, we're approaching the end of the episode now, and I thought maybe it would be fun and nice to end on just sharing with each other and our listeners our own tips for habits that we've been nourishing to keep ourselves sane. But before we do that, I was wondering if you both had any bad habits that you wanted to eliminate this year or you have been trying to eliminate. I'd also say that whole, um, one of the things that I picked up on myself is having that balance of, yes, I like to think positive, but that doesn't mean to neglect or not really think about the negative as well that I am harboring underneath the surface. So that's one of the things that I want to pay more attention to the negative and process it properly. Yeah, I definitely can be inclined to be like super optimistic. You know, I'm a Sagittarius, all of that. So it's very, it feels like it's very ingrained into my bones. Um, But like acknowledging the bad is something that I think I would like to do for this year. And on top of that, I think I would also say that I want to learn how to say no more because like I am such a yes person. I feel like sometimes my, my internal self is like a really excited puppy who like, if you give me something, uh, if you suggest something that I think is cool or I would love to do, I'm just so super enthusiastic about it. And I'm like, yes, yes. And then I don't think about actually, can I do this? Do I have the time for this? Will I be able to do this without compensating on something else? So actually learning how to just say no to stuff for me is one of the things I'm trying to teach myself. I'm definitely with you on that. I think being realistic about what is possible to fit into a day or a week, I think that's something I would like to work on as well, for sure. I think my I definitely have a habit of totally inflating my to-do list to a very unrealistic degree, and that just doesn't make me feel good at the end of a day or a week. So that's something I would like to stop doing. Like Instead of writing 10 things on my to-do list, just writing two or three. Well, let's move on to share some of our more positive, um, well, let's stay away from that word, um, <laughs> our tips <laughs> our tips on some positive habits. One of the things that have been really been my thing right now is my Saturday long walks in green. Uh, when I say green, it could be fields, forests, bushes, anywhere um, that I can find. And I have recently found the route from Woodgreen to Hampstead Heath, going through like Alexander Palace, Parkway, Highgate Woods. And so you're just constantly being in greenery and nature. And I, I feel so calm and relaxed by the time I look tired, completely tired, but really relaxed. Um, other things, at the beginning of lockdown uh, last year, I really got into meditation and that was, I think that was really cool for me to kind of calm and unwind my thoughts and just, um, it was a whole thing, but I haven't done it for a while yet. So I need to, or not need to, if I feel inclined to, to get back into it. So those have been, and then also DJing as well. I have, I've got my decks are fixed in the corner of my room. And whenever I'm like excited about certain music, I just walk over to the corner of my room and just kind of do a couple of like tracks to bits. Um, those are my things. So I guess it's like things that make you unwind and things that like you're passionate about and things that connect you to yourself. Those are the things that have worked for me. Okay. I'll go next. So I started taking baths. I would definitely would recommend it, especially if you can get some nice bath salts with the nice smells, etc. 
have a have a magazine or like even just have like your laptop and you can watch the show or something like why not make it make it work for you yeah like 15 minutes 20 minutes it's a bit maybe it's a bit wasteful of water so maybe don't do it like every day but I think I think it's nice the other thing that I definitely started doing more of is yoga I know I talk about it quite a lot on the show like I'm definitely not somebody who's really good at it or anything like that but obviously had more time at home had more time on my hands in general um, and I just started doing it more regularly and whilst can it at the beginning for me it felt very difficult you know some of the poses etc but it's just been so amazing to see what the human body is capable of doing and the improvement is so tangible like at the beginning it felt very slow but then you know the more different you know instructors you follow there's so much free resources online um on youtube or anywhere i kind of felt like a huge improvement and i really love doing it now and the one thing I would definitely suggest if you want to try that is don't get sucked into necessarily one um, style or one instructor online. You know, even on YouTube, there's so many free options. Just try a few different ones. If there's one that you don't gel with, there's probably another one that you will like more. And and that really helped me. Another one that I started doing more regularly since working from home and like, yeah, needing just to make sure I don't overwork is actually setting alarms for taking breaks. That sounds a bit intense, I know, but it really helps because time is a weird one. I think everyone felt that um, in this year, like, oh, has it been a month? Or like, oh, this day felt like three months. But I feel like sometimes when you sit down to work, you can just, you can, sometimes you can sit down at 11 and not get up till three. Like that can definitely happen and that is not healthy. So I oftentimes I set an alarm for 25 minutes or 45 minutes if I've got something quite that requires concentration and when that alarm goes I know that I've put in the work and I have to get up and go for a little stretch or just go make a cup of tea and just get away from my desk and then the very last one I might share is maybe like a bit um, yeah maybe a bit abstract but I would say I'm probably a person that's a bit prone to getting irritated by things and people <laughs> the thing is you just listed everything by things people <laughs> <laughs> very all-encompassing <laughs> yeah i mean one's self-image is not necessarily true for like how other people perceive you right so my, this is maybe just how i see myself but something that i try to do and i've definitely inspired by the my close friends around me who have you know this positive energy that i I benefit from I've started to try when I feel like I might get irritated by something and let me just say you know if you're stuck in a house with people with the same people for so many weeks and on a row you are going to get irritated 100%. by something or another and that's so normal and that's fine like you're not a bad person don't feel bad about it I felt like the thing that helped me was that when something was irritating me or I started to feel irritated I would think, can I laugh at this instead? Like, is, is, is there in any scenario, could this be conceived as being a funny situation? And it kind of just injected this lightheartedness because I feel like some of these domestic moments of irritation at the end of the day is not, it's never that heavy. It doesn't have to be heavy like everyone experiences. And it's because you're spending time in such close proximity with people. It's just going to happen. It's friction. And it's almost like it's not really worth getting irritated about. Not to say that if you do, you should feel bad about it. Definitely don't. But 
yeah, I just try to like see if I can turn it into a funny situation and laugh about it instead. And that has definitely helped me. So yeah, that's me. Just two things to what you just said there. Um, one, there's a term for all the days, you know, blurring into each other, blur day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, blur day. And um, I also agree with the laughter point. I really do think like laughter is like medicine for the soul, especially in times like this. Seeing the humour in, obviously don't force it, but being able to see the humour and ridiculousness of some situations and, you know, having a positive, not not positive spin, but you know what I mean? Just even through sadness, laughing at how ridiculously sad it is. I think there's something quite healing about it. Yeah, totally. I'd agree there too. To add mine, obviously I talked about the candles and the incense I've been burning, but I'd also say, especially in the first lockdown, running became one of my massive saviours just because, I don't know, really, it's quite weird. I've always seen myself as someone who's never enjoyed running outdoors. I always used to think to myself, I can run on a treadmill and that'd be fine. But running around a park or in green spaces, I was just a bit like too much for me. But I guess because being able to be outside was almost like a, a massive luxury. Yeah, running almost turned into like one of my favourite things to do and something that was really important to me in my week. And on the flip side to that, another sort of habit that I would describe as a bit of a luxury has become like my uh, mornings in so like on a Saturday or a, a Sunday I just basically have a lion in bed and that sounds like a bit of a strange habit but speaking as a tiny bit of an overachiever just resting and just chilling in bed has actually been super good for me yeah I think those would be maybe my biggest ones Mm, I like that, the kind of recharging of your batteries in the morning. It's how I like taking it very slowly. I think that's pretty nice and I think very important in terms of this. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, I mean, if there's any listeners out there that want to share their tips for good habits they build or ways of building their habits or self-care routines, or I guess if you want to share some productivity notes, you can do that too. Um, they please get in touch with us and either message us on Instagram or email us. We'd love to hear from all of you. And a big thanks to Andy Osho for joining us on this episode also. You can follow her on Instagram at the Andy Osho, the Andy A N D I O Show for Show Business, and yeah, pick up a copy of her book, Asking for a Friend. Also, for the extended version of this show with a selection of great music and a mix by Tribe, tune in on Mixcloud or on Soho Radio. Thank you again for tuning in to Third Waves and stay tuned online at Third Magazine on Instagram. That's Third with three eyes. I'm Daniela. I'm Tribe. I am Rona. <laughs>